background and you've gone through a lot of changes. I've gone through a lot of changes. I look better than ever. Come on, that wasn't funny. Come on, I'm serious. Serious. Uh, shortly after the last time I was here, went through a bunch of stress. And, you know, preachers have a certain, a certain thing that they fear. Whether they say it, whether they think it, whether they believe it, there's always something that they're afraid of. And that's losing their voice. And I didn't preach for eight months during a period of time. And I'll tell you, that is, that, that's not a real easy thing to not do or to do, whichever way you cut the cake, either way. And, uh, you know, God's shaking everybody. Hello! Well, there's a few people smiling, a few people frowning, and somebody back there is crying. But it's that time. And in France, we're really going through a lot of shakings. And for once, we're really doing well. Woo! They're less enthusiastic than I am. I can tell that. So. <laughs> uh, I want to boil down a few things that I feel are prophetic words for France and how it applies here. In France, I believe there's going to be many new churches open in the, in the near future. I believe that. There's so few churches to go from the get-go that, you know, in America, many new churches would be uh, 18,000 over the next year. In France, many new churches would be 50. So all things, all perspectives put together, you have to understand that, you know, that's an issue. Uh, I think there's going to be many new churches open in America. I believe that. But like in France, I believe that many churches will close. What I see God doing in the earth, he is sifting. Do you ever hear that word sifting? Separating the goats and the sheep, you know, all that stuff. And during the time of sifting, God will bring forth the real, the alive. And what isn't real and alive will just fade out, will fade out. I believe that in France there will be many new believers. I believe also there will be many new disciples. And I make a big difference. There's people who are believers all their life. They're going to heaven, but they're not disciples because they've never been taught discipleship. They've never been taught the life of obedience. In America, with the authority issues that Americans have, if a boss comes and says to an employee, go do this, well, who are you? You know, there's an authority issue. But discipleship means that there is an authority in the church. There's authority. I have to be under authority when I come to the local church. I am under the local church's authority. Nobody is above it. There's no superstar that can come in and impose anything on you guys. In America, I see many fewer believers, many more disciples. Do I have to translate that for you? American Christianity has a lot of superficiality. And in the trying times that are coming upon the face of the earth, that superficiality in Christianity and churches and Christians' lives, that will pass. God will sift that out. And many that have a form of believers will get sifted out because they're not ready to step up to the next step, which is discipleship, which means really loving God, doing what he tells us to do. There's a lot of things that God tells me to do that uh, I'm not real keen on, but I do it, and it's always good. 
When God tells you something, it's always good. Amen? Hey, that, that one song at the beginning, God is good, good, what is it? The Father, he's a good, good God. Man, that's, that's number one in America. Everywhere we go, they sing that song. Everywhere we go. In a house group, singing that song. Big church and small church, they sing that song. So now we got translated to French. So, <laughs> that's why we come back to America to get good songs to translate. <laughs> uh, prophetic things that I see coming, let's go right to it. Arise and shine, for your light has come. It's come upon you. Rise and shine. You know, everybody knows that, Yes? Yes, Isaiah 60, arise and shine. But right after it says, for great darkness will cover the face of the earth. That's what's coming. The bigger, the more profound, the darker, the more awesome, the darkness, the more we're to shine. And Christians, regretfully, are right now we're caught in a period of transition. Things are getting lighter or darker. Woo, I'm interactive, remember that. Things are getting lighter or darker in the world. They're getting darker. Are you getting lighter? That's the contrast. The darker it gets out there, the lighter you're supposed to be shining for Jesus. Uh, things are changing in France. It's like we've gone around a corner and, and good things are starting to happen. And in the midst of all that, there's a lot of bad things happen. Can anybody pronounce that word? I can only say it in French. Antifada. Antifada? Okay. Uh, you'll probably remember years ago, you had the Palestinian young guys. They all had paving blocks, and they were throwing them on the Israeli soldiers. And that was the first one that was really called that. And I believe in France, we're going into a period that this will be proclaimed. This is a local manifestation of jihad. Our town is almost, not quite, 50% Muslim. And that creates certain problems. And uh, we've got a mosque going up in our city, partially financed by the government. 14 million, well, translation, 16 million dollars. A $16 million mosque, partially financed. The land was given to them by the city government. Uh, we didn't, we're not getting too much money as evangelicals. We're not touching any big surprise budget that's been funded to us by the government. Uh, when you see things like this happen, you see a little expression down on the bottom, put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. And the world is going into an aggressive state. Muslim will not go away. It is defeated, but it's not going to go away. You know, it's kind of like the devil, you know, he's defeated, but he won't go away. Uh, when you see a rising up, and, and to some degree, this will happen in America, to a lesser degree because of the population. That is the time to put on the whole armor of God. Woo! The enemy will force you to put it on. Isn't that good news? That's strange news, folks. <laughs> That's strange and you all know those verses, Ephesians 6. Put on, take on, stand up, endure, withstand, put on, take on. Those are verbs that are action verbs. And Christians today must put on the armor of God. 
passive Christianity is passing. When are you going to hold a funeral for passive Christianity, Ron? It's time that the Christians in this church and in churches in America put an end to passive Christianity. I come to church. What was that that t-shirt we saw yesterday? The church... The church has just left the building. This guy's wearing it on his T-shirt. So I thought that was, we talked about that. That's a strange T-shirt. The church has just left the building. So I go over and talk to the guy, and I, you know, I suspected what he meant, and he meant it. He meant it. So we are the church. We as the church, you you never put the uh, helmet of salvation on a building, do you? Get a breastplate of righteousness out there at the entranceway. No, it's on you. It's on me. And the pressure that will come upon us, people, it's time to stand up for Christ. It really is time to stand up for Christ. And in fact, be aggressive. Woo. Now, this is a little hard to see, so I'm going to use the, the zapper. You see the zapper, the red, the red dot there? Uh, This is Europe and Northern Africa. Muslim was started around here, Saudi Arabia. And it's too bad the video doesn't work. It's a really cool video. You You can go online and you can find videos. Timeline Muslim Expansion. Timeline Muslim Expansion. It is amazing. All the parts, you see Europe up in the north, you just see all the parts of the south. All that is south of Europe is basically Muslim. Basically Muslim. My son worked with Muslims for a year and a half. He was kind of the dad for young men that came to France that needed training. And the people he worked with were basically from Oman. Oman. Oman is this little country right there. You see it right over there? And Dan... John came home one day and he said, Dad, Dad, I really learned something. I learned something from them. Well, John, what did you learn? He said, well, they are really proud about one thing. I said, John, what are they What are they proud about? He said, Dad, you're going to like this one. You're going to like this. This one's cool. I said, okay, I'm going to like what you learned from Omanis today. He said, yeah, Oman right there is the only Muslim country that voluntarily accepted Islam. Do you hear what I'm saying? That means that from here, all those Eastern Muslim countries, to Turkey, to Egypt, to, can't even read it myself, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Mauritania, Niger, Chad, Sudan, all those countries, Islam was imposed with military force. You know, I hear, you hear, Muslim is a peaceful religion. Uh, That is true. There's three phases. When the Muslims are seriously under um, a minority population, when they are seriously minority, they're peaceful. (laughs) They're peaceful. Hey, you know, it doesn't take a lot of brains to figure that one out. They're peaceful. But when their numbers grow, they go. there's three phases in Islam. Second phase in Islam is aggressive defensiveness. That's when 
power and issues and struggling and fighting starts to surface. The third phase of Islam is obliteration of the enemy. There is a, a verse in the Quran, it's better to kill your neighbor who, do, who does not believe than to live next to him. Is that very peaceful? That's not cool. Man, I don't want to live next to them. But all of that, all of that has been conquered by military might. Now, <clears throat> I'm leading somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Are we to be afraid of that? Honestly, gut reaction. Are we to be afraid of that? No. No. Jesus said, when you see all these things come upon you, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And I'll touch that at the end. And God has dropped me into a situation that I'm amazed about. I want to show a little video here. Are you ready? Uh, if we get all our, our, our gurus here of, of technology and we're all in the same wavelength, you're going to see a video of a Muslim church worshiping the Lord. There is a full-scale revival in Muslim countries. Did you know that? I was in a convention this spring of Christian workers in the Muslim world. They're saying right now, today, 25,000 Muslims convert to Christ per month. That's not bad. But CNN, they don't tell you that. Hey-ho, Fox News doesn't tell you that. As a matter of fact, it's pretty much an unknown fact. So, well, we got the soundtrack. We're advancing. This is a praise and worship celebration in Egypt. There are two large churches in Egypt. One is 13,000, the other is 8,000. And this is one of the songs that they're singing. This is a praise and worship service in Arabic. Now, pray with me. Make it work, Lord, please. Yes, yes. You don't know this song. This is Arabic, Arabic, Arabic. See the stone walls? Hand-carved church out of stone. Ceremony 70,000 showed up in Cairo, Egypt. It's a Muslim country. Okay. Next. 
all we got to do is stop the train. <laughs> We're at the uh, Conference for Christian Workers in the Muslim World, and I'm president of a French Bible Institute called InState. Institute of Theology by extension. We come into the local church, we train the leaders, and we give them manuals. And the manuals are the teachers, not the local leaders. The local leaders bring the group together, start on time, finish on time, impossible to do. But they're the ones that orient the thing. They organize the thing, they, they pay for the thing, and it, it, it really works well. During the conference on Muslim, on Muslim world, 15 countries came to us and said, we want your Bible courses, we want your Bible school in our country. Most of those countries do not have Bible schools. Most of those countries don't have Bible schools. So here, I'm the one that's over there. You know, remember that? Europe is right above the Muslim world. The other people that work with the Bible Institute, they live in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a little further away. <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa, you know, it's kind of kind of far away. So I, I'm tapped to do a lot of this training and setting up Bible schools in the Muslim world. And guys, if you forget everything, don't forget this. Pray for me. Uh, it's a rather daunting situation. I'll give you a little clip of something that happened. About 25 years ago, we were in JFK. We're stuck in the airport for a period of time, and our, our kids are small. And they're playing on the floor, and they're playing, they're just goofing around with three black kids. I'm watching these three black kids, and they're not American because they are black. American blacks aren't really black. They're kind of toned down or toned up. And... Uh, I'm looking at these kids and I see the papa and he's speaking franglais. Franglais is a, the stupid mixture of English and French. Franglais. And he's speaking to these kids in this language. Well, we speak that all the time. So we, we can speak to one another. We can speak in French and English and in franglais. We're trilingual. Ha <laughs> ha. So I go and talk to the guy. And elegant. My, oh my. This guy, man, I look like a... This guy was elegant. So I go up and talk to him. We're, we're having a good time. And, and I finally get around to, what do you do? I said, well, I'm uh, the ambassador to the United Nations from Mauritania. Mauritania was all the way off to the left. Oh, you're the ambassador to the United Nations Mauritania. Christianity strictly forbidden. So we talk, and he says, well, it's kind of my turn. I'll ask you the same questions. He didn't say that, but he thought it by being polite, and he asked me the question, the big question, the biggie. Well, what do you do? So, so, so I'm looking at him, and he knows that I know, and I know that he knows. Well, uh, I'm a pastor, and he knows that I know that Christianity is forbidden in his country. So that led to a <clears throat> strange discussion, and uh, we ended up and I, I said, you know, you really do persecute Christians. I'll tell you what. I offer you a Bible for you to really understand what you're persecuting. You need to understand the Bible. And he accepted. He accepted. And then he did something that was one of the strangest things I've ever had happen in my life. And he said, you know, in Mauritania, Christianity is forbidden, but I have the privilege, honor, I don't know which word is good. They're both bad in this context. 
I know the names of all the Christians in the country. And I said, oh? I said, yeah, there's only five. And I keep up to date if there's any new conversions. So he rattled off the five names of all the Christians in the country. Okay, you got that? 25 years later, I'm in Malta with Christian workers for all of the Muslim world. I'm there and somebody tells me the national leadership, all of the national leadership for the country of Mauritania is there. Here? Christian leaders, pastors in Mauritania. And I've got excited, guys. <laughs> so I, I find these guys out, and there's four of them. So I ask them questions. I love to ask questions. I ask them questions. I said, how many are there in Mauritania? So well, we're 700. My heart leapt. I just, oh. Man, that was good. Man, that was good. I can't tell you. It would be total presumption to say that the Bible that I gave to the UN ambassador had anything to do with that. That's total presumption. I don't know, but I'm going to check that out once I get to heaven. Lord, give me the video replay on that. I want to see that. Because when you sow seeds, you're farmers, hey? You're farmers? You sow seeds, what happens? They grow. I don't know. I can't say. So I said, boy, this is it. I've waited for 25 years to give this testimony. So I tell them my, my meeting with the Mauritanian UN ambassador 25 years before. And as much as I was impressed, they were impressed, and they said, we know who the five were. And what's better yet, we know who the one was, just like her, just like her just like you, a grandma that wasn't young. She wasn't young at all. She's just a grandma. Somehow she fell into the faith and she started sharing the faith and it caught on. And it really worked. And she went to two, three, four, five, and now there's 700. And I bless God for the opportunity that God's called me to. I couldn't have worked through that, tried to prepare for that, tried to calculate and Politically, it's impossible to do, but I really bless God. Pray for me as I embark on this new endeavor. I'm going to Algeria. First country is Algeria in the month of September. I've waited for the visa. How long has it been now? Six weeks? Yeah, six weeks for the visa. And there's still a lot of persecution. You know, I can't hide that. But one thing that we're going to face up to in the end times that we're in, we're going to see something that, that doesn't, fit together. It doesn't work. God says that he will protect us. Yes? Is that the Bible? Where do all the martyrs come in? You have martyrdom and God's hand of protection at the same time. And that's a mystery. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't explain it, but we're going to see it. People that see it in the Arab world, they're protected if they do see it. If they don't see it, they're dead and they're martyrs. It's not complicated. And I bless God for what our brothers in Christ are doing. And it, well, we've lived in the context of Muslims for 15 years now in, in our city. And there's a hardness in their look and there's a hardness in their ways. And the brothers that I met there doesn't exist. And I really bless God for that. Uh, 
things that are happening, this is happening in France. The love of many is growing cold. This poor guy is going to freeze to death. Now, the thing that I'm aiming at in the message this morning, every human natural reaction that the hardness and the difficult situations in the world are provoking in our hearts, those reactions are normal, but they're human, and God wants us to go above that. What we're going through today in a society, there's nothing that's calling all of the country, oh, love one another. It's not happening. Are the liberals and the conservatives falling in love? Oh, I could ask the bad question. Should I ask the bad question? Does Hillary love Donald? (laughs) Come on. Everything that is a natural reaction, God said, okay, you act like that. Get over it and go on. With love becoming cold, God is calling us to strengthen our bonds in the church. To live and be bonded with one another between leaders and in the body of Christ. A couple years ago, it's been a while, there's a prayer meeting in Siberia. And, you know, a small group of people, maybe 20, I don't know, don't know the number, but it wasn't big. And they're praying away and they're praying away, and all of a sudden, BAM! The back door's blown off, and these five army guys barge into the room and they've got their machine guns and they're ready to do business. And they look at all the people, they line them up against the wall and they said, look, this is, this is the end for you. We've come here, we caught you praying, it's over. Now, you have a choice before we kill you. You can either renounce your faith or keep it. That's your choice. In 10 minutes, the action starts. So half of the people, they said, well, bye. They walked out. They were free. They walked out. There's no problems. So they closed the doors. Soldiers are there with their machine guns. The ten are lined up against the wall, and they threw their machine guns down. And then they said, we're in the Russian army. We can take no chances with lukewarm Christians. We wanted to come to a prayer meeting tonight. We found you. We know that you love Jesus with your whole heart, with your soul, mind, body, everything you are. We know tonight you love Jesus. Let's pray. That was a prayer meeting. That was a sifting. And the love of many is going to be tested and tried. I pray that that you stand firm. God is really desiring to have his people stand in this hour and love one another. Ah, I love this. Because so many people love leave churches because of this issue. Uh, We kind of glamorize the apostles. Uh, (laughs) Sometime I read the Gospels and, and it reminds me of boys in grade school having a spitwad fight. Now, I'm going to be number one. Well, I want to be number one. Well, how can you say that? Why did you do that? Oh, I'm going to call fire down on all of them. You know, the apostles weren't really that sharp at the beginning. And it, and it took some major intervention on the part of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to get them up to speed. So 
You go to church and you're thinking, well, nobody's ever going to offend me. Never. Never. But it happens, doesn't it? Anybody here never been offended in church? <laughs> no. Can't happen. Why? We're human. We're human. And God in this day, in the church that he's creating, the church that he's working on, he's calling us to love deeply without counting the cost. If you love deeply, you're going to get hurt badly, but it's still worth it. One time I did a terrible thing. Um, I went over a year period, and I said, how many times did we invite people to our house for a meal? And the way I did it was a strange way of doing it. I would count a family of 18 people as one unit. A single person is one unit. So all I did was count units. I didn't count people. Many more people than units. We actually had one meal of 40 people. Praise group, I think that was it. Yeah, some of you, 40 people. And I counted out how many units we invited for a meal in our house. And it came out to, it's a funny, strange number, 52. One a week. One a week. So I, I, I was feeling good. Yeah, that was cool. 52. And then I did the second thing, which wasn't quite as cool. I said, well, Lord, how many times did people invite us to their house? Ooh, ooh. Mm hmm? Uh? See well, how good your French is, guys. Uh? Duh? I think I had a little difficulty coming up to three. Three. I said, I took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, here's 52 on this side that we invited, and kind of three that we got invited. Would you please explain the difference? You know, if this was a ledger sheet, I just lost a lot. You know, this is, this is not a good ledger sheet at all. 52 and three. And the Lord kind of very subtly responded to me. That's the cost of real ministry. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're, you're in the church, you're setting up chairs. I don't care. It makes no difference. That's the cost of ministry. If you love God, if you love his people, it will cost you. You will be understood, misunderstood. You will be criticized. People will mess with you. And so what? Did Jesus go through that? Sure did. And he's preparing the church to go through that with love. That's our motivation. And you know what? We love the merits. Ooh. Is that a secret? We love the merits. The merit they merit love. Yeah, that's a good one. That's my wife. They merit love. <laughs> um I'm still kind of talking about things that I see prophetically. Jesus, when he talked in Matthew 24 about the signs of his return, the main thing was false Christ, false prophets, falsehood, false doctrine. And you find that throughout the New Testament. The proclamation of beware. And so many people are so beware that they are, woo, they're fortressed. They're so bewaring all the time they don't let the good stuff in. I believe with my whole heart God is at the point of rising, raising up, bottom line, a whole new generation that's prophetic. You know, you got the false, so what? It's out there. But God needs in his church a whole new generation, fresh stuff to come into the prophetic. 
Um, can I do a pause here? Can I pause just for a second? I can do anything I want, huh? That's great. Father, I pray for this church that you raise up prophetic people in this church. Lord, pour out your giftings. All of them. But Lord, especially prophetic, this season speaks clearly without all the garbage confusion that's out there today. Lord, cause your people to hear your heart, to proclaim your heart, proclaim your will boldly in a prophetic manner. Now, if you feel concerned about that, take it to heart. Really take it to heart. Make it an issue of prayer. There's very little that's more needed in the church today than prophetic insight for the local church and for the body of Christ as a whole. It's vitally needed. The harder the times, the more the prophetic is really needed. Witchcraft. Um, There's going to be more and more open, flagrant, blatant attacks by witchcraft. I'll let you read the verses. And we should not be afraid. We should not be afraid. The more that witchcraft attacks, the more we have the victory. I remember the first time I ever came into contact, with, I, was, I came out of witchcraft, became saved, and I went to a prayer meeting, took a girl from college in here in Ohio to a prayer meeting, and uh, she was deeply involved in the rich, witchcraft like myself, and we're there at the prayer meeting, we're finishing the prayer meeting, and she said, I really need prayer. So I said, okay, we'll pray for you. And you've probably all seen the goddess Shiva with her arms and her legs going every which way. It's pagan. It's an it's a idol. It's really bad. Shiva, goddess of destruction. And she's sitting next to me and her arms and her legs start going every and, and doing this, doing a windmill. And I, I, I'm kind of aware that this is not cool. This is not something that, uh, this, this is not Jesus-inspired. And, and I'm watching this arm go in front of my face, and then the legs started up, and it was like a windmill. And uh, I'm a young Christian. And I'm seeing this, and I'm, I'm seated right next to her. And there's really nowhere to go. So I said, Lord, I, I want to go home. And I drove her here, and this has got to stop. You know, if, if I take her home, she can, I can't put her in the truck like that. She's got to stop. So I said, Lord, is this a demon? Yep, it's a demon. I'm three months old in the Lord. And this is all going on. And I said, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Don't like this. This is not cool. But I got to do something about it because I got to take her home. So <laughs> I said, Lord... I believe this is a demon. And help! Help! I'm going to do a countdown. And when I hit zero, I'm going to grab her arm and I'm going to say something in the name of Jesus and it's going to happen. Ten, nine, eight. And it came down five, four, three, two, one. I was petrified. Uh, I had no training. Didn't know anything about this. I read the Bible, but I saw this arm coming around, and I saw that arm, and I was there. I grabbed her arm. I got it. And that arm was going nowhere. 
And I said, the name of Jesus is got to stop now. Go. I yelled and jumped up and down, and she stopped. I mean, cold. And we prayed for her. Something happened, and I was so scared, I couldn't talk all the way home. She couldn't talk all the way home. So I called her up the next day. I called her up the next day, and I said, Lydia, what happened? You know, I saw it, you saw it, everybody else saw it. What happened? She said, well, next time you see me, listen up, listen up. Next time you see me, I'll have long, I've always had long sleeve blouses on. Next time you see me, I'll have a short sleeve blouse. Lydia, what happened? Well, I'm going from long sleeves to short sleeves. What does that have to do with last night? She said, well, I have sliced my wrist and my arm for years on both sides. And I'm complete, I was completely scarred on both sides of my arms. And I've been in a suicidal state for a long time. And when you prayed that, I saw something leave and my arms are healed. I can wear a short sleeve blouse. Now, Bible school guys, I don't care what kind of Bible school you go to, they don't teach you how to do that. Oh, I, I, I went to Bible school. They didn't teach me how to do that. And so much of what's coming down in the time that we're living in, Bible school, even Pastor Ron, even all the elders, everybody, they can't teach you how to deal with all the falsehood that's coming down, all the witchcraft, all the stuff that's going to happen. All you need to know is Jesus is able, he's capable, and he wants to. And he wants to. And he wants to. That's the good news. The bad news may have some conflict. The good news, Jesus always wins. You know that. But when you get involved in the Jesus always wins, that changes things when you're the one doing it. People's hearts are wearing out. But Jesus said very clearly, when you see all this stuff happen, everything that's coming down, you know, who in the world would have believed among the apostles it's going to take 2,000 years for him to come back? Nobody. Nobody. 50 years ago, people are preaching, Jesus is coming back. Well, those that preached that 50 years ago are almost all dead. But someday it's going to happen. And we can't wear out in the meantime. I've had one word that's churned in my heart for two, three years. And it's there all the time. And I love this verse. The verse is really simple. Keep your heart above all else. God will protect you if you keep your heart fixed on him. If you keep your heart in love with Jesus. If you keep your heart in love with the church, with your spouse, with your kids. If you keep your heart, God will do all the rest. But you know what? He can't keep your heart for you. He adds on to what you keep. If you don't do the minimum of keeping your heart clean and pure and listening to the right things, doing the right things, he can't do much about it. Keep your heart pure of all things. Men feigning with fear and for expectation of the things which are coming. Hey, oh, it's happening. It's happening. But... There's always a good and a bad with the times that we're living in. 
the Gospels, Jesus made 125 imperative statements. The most repeated, 21 times, fear not. Fear not. The closest to that is love your neighbor, eight times. Eight times. That's a big difference. Why did Jesus tell the apostles, the disciples, 21 times, fear not? If you're bound up by fear, you don't do anything. You're stopped. Love, ministry, you, you won't come to church. I, I know people in France, they're afraid to come to church. Something good might happen. They're afraid of it. I'm speaking literally. And God wants our faith to be motivated in the time that we're at. But if we're caught anywhere in any of the fears that are so omnipresent, I remember France when we first got there. There were two things that I was quite concerned about. I was quite concerned about, and those things were going into my plate sooner or later. They were going to find themselves in my plate. And one of them was snails. No reaction there. Snails? Have you, Ron, have you, have you ever? You've never eaten snails? Not planning on it. Well, neither was I. And then, and then they have this finely sliced, very finely sliced, smoked raw ham. So I found raw ham in my plate. I was scared stiff of that raw ham. I did not like that raw ham. I wanted to rebuke it. I wanted to cast it out. It wouldn't move. And then I realized how much our hostess paid for that raw ham. It was very raw ham in France is very expensive. And all of a sudden I said, Lord, you better help me overcome my fear of raw ham, snails, and I'll, I'll even throw in, for good measure, oysters. When you put them in your mouth, they slither, slither down. You know, you've got to, you're not in France, I know that, but if you ever come, be aware. God, God absolutely wants to deliver his people of fear. Fear to proclaim his goodness. Uh, I'm trying to keep a track record intact. It's hard. Um, whenever we go into a restaurant, waitress, waitresses and waiters come and they serve us and they usually do a pretty good job. And, you know, they need to be thanked. Seriously. So always try and make an effort to thank them personally. You know, I really thank you for your good service and, you know, you really appreciate it. And I'm in the ministry, and I'd like to pray for you. We did it last night. The woman didn't really know what to do with us, but that's okay. And we asked her if uh, we could pray for her. And, you know, you've got to wait. This is really nasty. You've got a waitress there that she's hoping to get a nice tip, and she'll put up with a lot of junk from Christians, hoping to get the nice tip. So why not ask her, what can we pray for you? Oh, are you with me there? It's really kind of radical. Ask the waitress, how can I pray for you? And they'll almost never refuse. They'll be, be shocked often. What? Did you say pray? Yes, I did. It can't hurt you. Come on. Can't hurt. Well, okay. 
fear keeps us from loving deeply, giving freely, dreaming wildly, taking steps of faith, remembering his faithfulness. That's what fear keeps us from, and that's what God wants to deliver his people from. He wants us to do all that stuff. Maybe you can dream of helping me plant Bible schools in Muslim countries. <laughs> There's a good one for you. Biggest anecdote that I found for fear is worship. When you come out of yourself and you have an exchange with the Lord, it breaks bondages, we see as, ha- as he sees, and we believe in his promises. This year I was in Germany ministering and something happened to me. It wasn't fear, but it wasn't good. I had something that really wasn't good in my heart. And uh, <clears throat> I'm German. I am totally German, American. My, my family's been here in the States for two, two centuries. Um, totally German, live in France. I have no identity with the German people. I could have cared less about Germans. I'm speaking literally. We went to a German church to minister, and they put up their praise and worship on the screen, just like here. And I didn't realize that was holding me back from loving Germans. And I'm German. And I'm there with the praise and worship projected on the screen, and all of a sudden, I, I start singing German praise and worship in German. And that German spirit got me. The German Holy Spirit got me. And I praised the Lord in German. I sung with my whole body in German. And all of a sudden, I started weeping in German. And I wept so much, I couldn't even see the screen anymore. And that's what worship will do. It will change bad attitudes. It will change our fears when there is an exchange. A lot of people come to church and they can sing. You know, you see them up front. You see, you see them. They can sing pretty well, right? Sing pretty well. A lot of good people sing, a lot of good songs, but not all of them worship. Ooh, there is a difference. There is a difference. And God wants his people to worship him, to have a heart-to-heart exchange. And there is where the people are really set free. I love the Germans, hallelujah. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to going back there. Um, I'll end with this. Uh, During the last two years, since we've been with the merits last time, God has given us tremendous favor among men, all over the place. Favor that I don't deserve. Favor that is overwhelming. Favor to the point it scares me spitless. Because when God gives you something, he will hold you accountable to what he gives you. If he gives you a million dollars, you just can't go off and spend the whole million dollars. He'll let you go get a milkshake and stop there. (laughs) But you don't have free reign how you spend your life. And the gift of favor that God has given me, it's really a blessing. I'm amazed at it. And I need wisdom to manage that and to use it for his good. You know, people in the world, they get favor all the time for their good. It's another thing to do it for his good. So you're thinking about us sometime along down the way. We need support to go into the Muslim world. We need support for that. Uh, I got on to retirement this year. All our 
current living expenses are covered, but we need support to go into the Muslim world. So that I share that with you. Think about us going into the Muslim world and how do we manage, how do we manage the great favorite that God has given unto us. Father God, I ask you to speak to hearts. There's a lot of points that I touched this morning about France, about here, about you. Father, it was really all about you. And Lord, I ask you to touch hearts this morning. There's things that you want to change in this church. There's people's hearts and attitudes that you really want to change. And Lord, I pray to you that in this moment right now, you put your finger right on the heart spot. Not on the hot spot, but the heart spot of what you want to do in people's lives. Lord, change us, change us, change us. And we're so thankful for the change transition that you're operating in Jesus' name. Amen? Uh, for what it's worth, last thing I'm going to say, for what it's worth, Gloria, stand up with me. We love you guys. We really do. It's good to see some familiar faces. And this is one of the few places in all of the states we really feel at home. And we love you guys for what it's worth. God bless you. <clears> Thank <throat> you.